0: Don't get my hopes up. Maybe you've been familiar with that expression where someone gives you a promise and you just know that they're probably not going to be able to fulfill that promise or carry it out because people fail. But have you ever felt that way when you look at what God has told us in his word but what he promises us? Maybe there's times where you look at the things that God says that are coming your way but you look at your life and you look at the setbacks and the pains you wonder. Well, that's what happened to a woman that we see in 2 Kings chapter 4, which we read earlier. As she looks at her life, and she looks at what happened, how God took something away. He had said, don't get my hopes up. And everything was lost. But she came, as we'll see, she came to understand and to learn that when God gives a promise, never a false hope. See, this woman was a, only identified by her location. She lived about 2,900 years ago in Shunem, a place in northern Israel. And she knew the prophet Elisha. She called him a a man of God. And as Elisha was traveling, she noticed him and wanted to support his ministry, so she welcomed him to his home. And she even put a place on top of her house and, and built an extra room where Elisha could stay when he was traveling through. Now, Elisha had offered her some sort of support for all that she did. But she said, nope, no thank you. My, my needs are met. Everything is good. On a further investigation, Elisha learned that she was unable to have a child. So he told her, promise from God, you will have a son. And what did she say? Something she'd come to expect throughout her life. Don't get my hopes up. But sure enough, she learned that when God promises something, it comes. He can and he will deliver on every one of his promises. And they never fail. He had a son. Only things didn't go as she might have hoped. See, there was a time a few years later when the son ran out to his father as they were out in the field with the reapers. And he started complaining that his head was hurting. So the father had a servant carry the boy back to his mother. And as the boy sat there on his mother's lap, he, he slowly, with his pain in his head, began to die. And then the mother faced what no parent would ever want to face. And after a few hours, there's her son as he begins to grow cold on her lap and in her arms. Her entire world was turned around. Her heart-wrenching pain that she faced just crushed and changed her world. Her son was dead. Oh, and when she faced this, keep in mind, she was alone. He didn't have support. Evidently, where was the father who, who sent a servant to carry the son back? She was alone and her son died. And even after he died, it seems she was spiritually alone. He had set out and had determined to do something about this but her husband, he, he said, Why bother? Why would you want to go see the man of God today? It's not a Sabbath or a festival. Maybe you're familiar with that, with the spiritually single parent who has the husband who says, Why would you bother with talking to pastor or going to church today? It's not Christmas or Easter or even a Sunday. She was alone. As she faced that heart-wrenching pain and her world was turned around, He was in despair. Maybe this will happen to one of us where we'll find that there's something going wonderful in our life and we feel blessed by God, but then what happens when it's taken away? And what happens when you face that alone and you don't have the spiritual support? In fact, the the people around you say, well, why bother continuing to call on God in prayer? Why bother continuing to worship him when this is what he's given you? That woman, though she was in pain, she was not in despair. Despite the fact that she was living in a land filled with unbelievers, even the king of Israel was at this time an unbeliever, despite the fact her husband seemed to be against her, she herself saddled her donkey and set out to go find the prophet Elisha because she knew when God gives a promise, nothing can make that promise fail. So made her way and as we read, the prophet's servant Gehazi comes and finds out that she's coming and Elisha knows she's in distress but not what's going on. When he finds out that the, the son, there's something wrong with the son, he sends his servant Gehazi to go find out with his staff and to heal or to fix the problem. Gehazi, when he returns, basically says, "God's child's dead. Dead is a doornail. Can you imagine the the testing now that comes on Elisha, the prophet, the man of God, is the thing he had promised this woman had failed. And the woman won't leave until he comes back with her so that they can resolve this. So Elisha, can you imagine how he's tested when he comes to the upper room and, and there on his guest bed is laid the dead boy. Elisha stretches himself out over the boy and he prays to the Lord. Nothing happens. He does it again and he's, he's waiting on God. Don't put my hopes up. Don't raise my hopes, the woman had said. But the Lord does not fail on his promises. And they learned that that day. The boy, Sneezed, the dead boy, sneezed seven times. Seven signifying for us clearly that this was an act of God. Seven later would be the times that Naaman would wash at the word of Elisha. Signifying this is God working on behalf of his people. The word of the prophet would be carried out. And the child was given back to his mother. Hold on to him who holds the power over death. Nothing can make his promise fail. Maybe at times we will have someone who will, like that that woman's husband, try to tempt us to think that God won't keep his end or that God has somehow failed his promise. But how can God fail when he has conquered death? He has conquered the greatest thing that we confront and that is against us. When we consider the working and the word of our God, he did far more to assure us that he holds the power over death Consider also what we read this morning. There was uh, another situation where a person had died who was a friend to more than a prophet. Someone greater than Elisha had come. And Jesus didn't hurry to try to heal him. No, he delayed. And this man wasn't placed on some comfortable bed on a rooftop. He was in the tomb. He had been there for several days. Jesus, noting that he did not even have to pray, but he said these words so that those who were around would understand and know he holds the power over death, spoke, and that man came to life. And the disciples of Jesus saw, just like the Shunammite woman, hold on to him who holds the power over death. But later on, as they would see and as we reflect on what happened to that man, Jesus, the only Son of God, The most heart-wrenching death of a son in the world took place as he hung on the cross. And yes, the the father was not present, but it was because the father knew he had to let the weight of our sin on his son. But what was the most heart-wrenching death of a son was also the most world-changing event, not only for that woman, not only for Lazarus and the disciples, but for all of us. He holds the power over death. Jesus rose from the grave, assuring us that whatever comes our way, whatever might crush our hopes, we might be tempted to say, don't get my hopes up. But God keeps his promise. The Lord hears your prayer. The Lord works all good things, all things, even bad things, for his good purpose for you. The Lord will lift up the lowly. The Lord will raise you and all who trust in Christ from their graves. And someday, standing before him, we will be able to say, Lord, we had our hopes up and you kept our hopes alive. Because isn't hope simply faith, looking forward to what is to come? And how can God ever get our hopes up falsely if what is to come is everlasting life, peace and joy as we hold on to him who holds the power over death Amen.